Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Need is everywhere, and uh, God uh, did not... uh, So we're going to Australia, not necessarily because of the great need, but because God told me to do so. And we began making our preparation. God called me to go back there. Uh, to be a church planning missionary, and, and I, uh, I believe he has worked on my family's heart as well, uh, made preparation for them to uh, make that move as well. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Obviously, without, a, without your family, you have no ministry. And so I'm very thankful that uh, our, my family is uh, agreeable. I'm very thankful for their sacrifice over the last couple of years, the, the travel and the preparation. As I mentioned a while ago, we're ready to be finished with that. But I'm thankful for the sacrifices that they have made, uh, you know, uh, several things I could say, but uh, again, just want to publicly say I'm very thankful for that. Uh, <clears throat> when we get to Australia, we're going to do the very same thing we've done the last 15 years. We're going to preach and pray and visit and just become a part of the community. Uh, the, while the culture might be a little bit different, uh, people are people, and there's a, there's a universal need, and it's called the gospel. And so we're going to begin to try to develop a relationship with people and hold Bible studies and with the, with the goal of planting a church and then working ourselves out of a job. That's the, that's the goal of a missionary uh, is to go to an area uh, to see the Lord do a work in people's hearts, salvation, baptism, ultimately organize a church, uh, turn that over to a national pastor, and then move on to the very same thing in another area. That's the goal of our heart and life. Uh, one of the good, good things is, uh, well, I'll say this, then we'll move on to the message. One of the good things, you won't have to learn language. I mean, they speak English. So it's not like you, you, go, to, you go to Africa or some area like that. You got to Russia. We were with, we've been with missionaries that are going to Russia and the language, unbelievable. A year, I can't imagine that. But uh, thankfully, but I will say this, they don't speak English like we do. All right. They have, a, they have some uh, different, uh, different ways about them. Matter of fact, uh, uh, the slang, while, while the English might be, I can probably get away with it. The slang is a bit different. Like, for instance, okay, uh, I was talking to Brother Manessas, who's in the video. He's a national pastor there, Australian. <clears throat> and uh, he asked me one day, he asked how our family was doing. And I said, well, my wife, she wasn't feeling well. And I said, well, everyone's pretty good. I said, but my wife, I said, she's a bit under the weather. And, uh, and he chuckled. And, uh, and I thought to myself, I thought, well, that's a, that's a different, that's, you know, that's different. I mean, I just told you my wife was sick. And he said, a little bit later in the conversation, he said, I need you to understand. He said, that phrase, under the weather, it means slobber and drunk. In Australia, that phrase, under the weather, means, means uh, soused, all right? However you want to put it. And so I said, well, she's not. She's not under the weather, all right? She's sick. She don't feel good or whatever, okay? As far as I know, as far as I know. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so I jokingly say we won't have to learn a language knowing full well that there's a multitude of other slang terms that could really potentially get me in a lot of trouble, all right? So anyway, well, it's good to be here. Take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 15. Luke chapter 15, I'll read here in a moment. This is a well-known passage of Scripture, well-known parable, uh, if you will, and we 
begin uh, as you're turning there i'll kind of catch you up our sunday school time we spent uh, spent on the the matter of joy in the christian life and you know one of the things that this past year and a half going on two years has kind of revealed there's a lot of things that's taken place there's a lot of uncertainty a lot of uneasiness a lot of division uh, one of the things i think it has affected in the lives of children of god me in particular uh, at times uh, is the joy in my life the joy the, the biblical joy not talking about uh, as we noted in in sunday school joy biblical joy is not just happiness happiness is based on happenstance in other words we're happy when our circumstances are right and proper and where we think they ought to be but when those circumstances change there goes our happiness right uh, and so, as you know, matter of fact, if we built our happiness or our joy on finances, that would be well and good until the finances are gone. Then there goes the joy. If we built our happiness on our emotions, on on uh, when our when we just emotionally don't feel right, then there goes our joy. We built our 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 emotions, or excuse me, our joy on relationships. When relationships go south, again, so you see what I mean? It's not based on circumstance or happenstance. Biblical joy is really a confidence in the God of heaven, knowing he is in control, that true joy comes from him, it's found in him, uh, and, and, and it, it's, it, it, it's surrounded, uh, we're surrounded by, by that when we find our, ourselves in a relationship with him, all right? And so we said it's not just a smile on our face, but it flows from a firm confidence in God despite our circumstances and our surroundings. Not saying that we should walk around all the time with a fake smile, but again, inward, inwardly knowing that God is in control, that my soul is secure uh, in Jesus Christ, and that whatever happens tomorrow, we have no idea, but we know this, we know God, and we know He is in control, and He definitely has our best interest uh, in mind. We've established that a person outside of Christ have no, no true joy, might be happy, might have times of, of happiness, but no true joy outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, and, and we could learn a lot. We won't, go, we won't go there because that's not the text of Scripture, but we could learn a lot also from John chapter 15, that abiding in the vine, that, that true joy doesn't come from doing True joy comes from abiding in Christ, not just knowing Him, but abiding uh, in Christ. We might make more mention of that uh, this evening uh, in the message. We're going to kind of just, this, a theme today, God just kind of laid this matter of joy and where joy comes from. And I know this is Missions Month and it has a direct effect upon our, our joy, our involvement or lack thereof. Uh, in missions, and we'll we'll delve more into that uh, as we go throughout uh, throughout the day. All right, so we're going to look in Luke chapter 15, that what's been termed the lost and found chapter in the Bible. And uh, really, you know, there's some debate: is it three parables or is it one parable? Uh, it doesn't matter. We're not going to debate that today. There's the lost sheep, there's the lost coin, and there's the lost son. All right. There's much preaching, much application in this parable, but we're going, to speak, we're going to stick to the joy part, all right? We're going to stick to the rejoicing part, because I believe that's the central truth uh, in this parable, and that is that it has something to do with joy. And when you come to parables in the Bible, a parable is just an earthly illustration of a heavenly truth. And we've got to be very careful when it comes to, when, when we come to parables, because there's been a lot of strange teaching result from trying to go too deep 
into the application of parables. The, there, there, are a, there is a central truth that Jesus was trying to get across to his listeners then and now. He would use an example that was common to all of them, uh, a story, an earthly illustration, but it had a, a, a specific heavenly truth, and we're going to focus on that uh, throughout this day, all right, or throughout this message this morning. So I'm going to read to you, beginning in Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, the Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And so, again, so you get the setting, all right? He, he, he's got those that are coming into, into his midst, into his hearing. Uh, of course, he's dealing with sinners. He's dealing with, with publicans and those uh, that, obviously, he would say that he come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so he's dealing with people uh, and these righteous, these so-called righteous in their own mind, these religious Pharisees and scribes began to come upon the scene and accuse him. Uh, and so he's going to give this parable uh, with some emphasis, obviously, on the uh, and some instruction to the disciples, but also within the hearing of these lost religious people as well. And so he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one, and uh, one of them doth not leave the ninety and nine and w in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth on his, on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And when he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perished with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But notice this, when, his, when he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. Let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be 
Mary. And then notice verse 32. The Bible says it was meet that we should make Mary and be glad. Of course, he has this little, a little conversation with the elder brother, the one that didn't leave and such. He's explaining, listen, it was meet that we should make Mary and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. All right? Let's have prayer. We'll get right back to work. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and blessing today and for this good church allowing us to come to share the burden, but also, more importantly, to be able to share your word. God, if anything's done today, it's going to be as a direct result of the word, your word, and the spirit of God working in hearts today. You know the needs. You know uh, what needs to take place today. I want to say the very things you'd have me to, nothing more, nothing less. I pray to be able to communicate the truths that's found right here in this precious word of God. And we'll thank you and praise you in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, again, these can be looked at as individual parables or uh, as one uh, containing three parts. Uh, chapter 15, verse number 3 kind of indicates that it's one, but again, that's neither here nor there. Each of these three parts or three parables, if you will, basically has something that was lost, something that was sought after, uh, and then something that was found, and then the rejoicing on the other end of that, all right? That, that is common in all of these. In the first part, a sheep was lost and then found. The second part was a coin. The third was a, a son that was willfully lost for time uh, and then came back. Really, the, uh, uh, each, each part of this demonstrates uh, a work of the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, in, in, the, in the work of redeeming the lost and in, 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 in seeking the lost, if you will. The, the first part, uh, the, the sheep demonstrate the, demonstrates the redemptive work of the Son of God going forth in sorrow to rescue that lost that lost sheep, that, that one, if you will. The second part, uh, the, the coin, the silver, demonstrates the work of the Spirit of God. When the Bible says that, that the woman uh, lit a candle, that candle kind of illustrates the Spirit of God ser searching, if you will, uh, and the woman would be a picture of the church. You have a responsibility as a New Testament Baptist church to, to seek out the lost. Uh, if you've noticed, they're not going to be beating the doors down uh, and just try, there's not there wasn't a line out there today of people trying to get in. We're going to have to seek them. We're going to have to go after them, uh, if you will. And then the last part, the third part, demonstrates the love and the the longing of the heavenly Father for the lost really as well as the saved who have wandered away from the Lord. Because I believe we could say, uh, you know, I don't know, we could, you could, I think Pastor Gray uh, said that uh, that parable of the lost son, you could preach them lost in the morning uh, in a, in a uh, message of a plea for salvation. And then in the evening, you could preach the very same message but make application to someone who willfully walked away, who was a part of the family, was saved, if you will, but willfully walked away, but eventually came back and, and, and so the, the point is this they were away but a loving heavenly father sought after them did you notice as we read in the parable that the father was waiting the father was there with his arms open when the son came to himself and began to make his journey back took the steps necessary to go back uh, he saw his his father uh, waiting there with with open arms all right and so we've uh, also established that leading up this parable Jesus had been given been, been, had been given a hard time by those Pharisees and Sadducees uh, and these sinners and publicans. They came uh, and they, they sought, I, I noticed, 
as I was reading there, that they sought to hear him. They had a desire to hear from him. And if we're going to find help, we're going to have to find it when we seek to hear from God. Hopefully, when you came today, you came with a desire to worship God, to sing to him, to praise him, but also to hear from him. Because we all stand in need of help in some area of our life. We need help in regards to life. Uh, and that help comes, comes as a direct result of hearing from the Word of God. What the Pharisees and these sinners didn't understand was the love and the grace of God. And so Jesus then gives a parable to teach them something about the grace of God, about the love of God, about the work of God, redeeming, seeking to redeem or to, to, to get back that which was to find that which was, was lost. He wanted to teach them that he didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Jesus would say things like this throughout his earthly ministry. He would say, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. He would say, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He would say in a very familiar verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. He would say, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He would say, I came not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. These are, these are things that, these are words that came out of the lips of the very Son of God. And so this parable that we have before us this morning, it, it teaches us about, about God, about the heart of God, the work of God, and listen, uh, the work of God that we are a part of. This, 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 this the matter of reaching people with the gospel, uh, reaching the lost, seeking the lost, not the salvation part, but the reaching, the seeking of the lost, we have a part of that. We have a part in that. Uh, we're a part of something very big, very, very big. It's way bigger than we can imagine. What's taking place here today, I'm going to tell you, is more important than what's taking place in Washington, D.C. Because it, ha it has to do with the souls of men and women and boys and girls. When we began to discern and decide, I've heard it said that the mission conference or the mission month or when like next week when you take up those faith promise commitments that's not a it's not a pledge it's not something that someone's going to come and check on check, and knock on your door and say hey you haven't been given it's a it's a promise between us individually and God what we're going to allow him to do through us really I've heard that referred to as a as the business meeting of the church determining discerning what we are going to do for the cause of worldwide missions or those that are lost what's our part going to be in seeking seeking the lost and so this parable shows the burden that christ had for the salvation of these outcasts if you will he's telling it in the hearing of these pharisees and scribes but also of those publicans those sinners if you will as well as his disciples uh and so he he uh uh it still brings joy, no doubt about it, to the heart of God and to the angels of God and even individual believers when, when one that is lost is found. I mean, doesn't, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't it excite us just a bit when somebody comes to salvation? I'm going to tell you, it excites the one that gets saved, no doubt about it. It ought to, it ought to cause a bit of rejoicing uh, in our heart as well when, we, when, we are, when God allows us a part Again, not that we save anybody, but we do indeed. God, God could have chosen any number of ways to reach the lost. He could have chosen to, to ride it in the sky with the clouds. 
He could have chosen to have angels fly across heaven and shout out the gospel, but he didn't choose to do that. He's chosen to use individuals who, uh, of course, obviously come together in a New Testament Baptist church collectively with the purpose of reaching their community and beyond. Uh, that's what God has chosen. So I want to notice a couple things uh, about this parable, namely how it shows God's love for the lost. And again, we're going to emphasize the joy that results on the other side of this. How does this, how does this parable show God's love? How does it show God's grace? And, and man, aren't you thankful for both of those? Thankful for the love of God. Thankful for the grace of God. But it tells, did you notice as I was reading, it tells of a lost sheep. One. A lost sheep, just one. It tells of uh, one lost coin and the youngest son. Uh, and so the shepherd, remember, he still had 99 sheep that were safe. But yet the emphasis is upon the one. Emphasis is upon that one. The woman had nine other coins, but yet we read that she took great effort in searching. She swept and swept and swept until that coin was, was found. She, made, uh, she took great effort in searching for it, and the father had two sons, yet he longed. We see that we can see, we can't see physically, but spiritually we can see the heart of this father. He longed for that one son, although he did have one that remained uh, and was working. Matter of fact, he was out in the field when all this rejoicing was taking place, but yet the father was longing for that son to come back. That's how God cares for one sinner. Each of, these, each of these that were lost were lost in different ways, but each of them require love and grace to be found. The, 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 the sheep, what do you mean by lost in different ways? Well, the sheep was lost by ignorance. I mean, what a tremendous song uh, this morning regarding God's, uh, God, God's working in our life and the, the desire should be the desire of a, of a child of God to follow the Savior, to follow the shepherd, to stay close, to listen to the voice. But we know... Uh, if you study anything about sheep, but uh, that sheep need a shepherd. Uh, matter of fact, they are their own worst enemy. They wander off. They, they, they don't really think about things, uh, if you will, because of lack of sense and even lack of, 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 of direction and lack of danger, of a sense of danger. They need a shepherd. They need to stay close to the, close to the shepherd. So he was lost by ignorance. They need a, a shepherd to guide them. The coin was lost to carelessness, we could say. We don't know the circumstance. She lost it. Uh, the coin wasn't capable of deciding its destiny. Somebody was careless in handling it, yet the coin was, that one coin was very important. Again, we could go into detail about how much it was worth, but again, I don't want to emphasize that. I want to emphasize the fact that it was one coin, and yet she went uh, to great uh, extent to seek to find it. But again, the coin was lost to carelessness. The boy was lost to poor choices and really rebellion. He, he was rebellious and yet he was loved and longed for by his father. What's happening here is God is trying to teach them and you and I today that he loves the very people that we're trying to reach. The very people outside these doors, the very people that, um, that, uh, that we watch in the news and that, that literally affects our joy. We see people that are openly rebellious. We see people that are rejecting the, the Word of God, that mock at the Bible. But yet, those are the very people that we're called to love and to demonstrate the love of God uh, and to show something of the grace of God, uh, if you will. God is trying to teach them and us, again, the very love, 
uh, and the very grace of God. Some of those that we're seeking, some of them are blind with ignorance, though. You understand that there are people within this town that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They might have had some, some influence of religion in general, but religion is not salvation. Religion is, is man saying, here, God, this is what I can do. This is, would, you, would this appease you? Salvation is God saying, this is my son, receive him. Be willing to turn from your sin and self uh, and call upon me uh, and receive my son as your personal savior. There are people out here that are blinded with ignorance. They've never heard that. They've never heard that. And we're to love them. We're to, ex- we're to exhibit grace uh, towards them. All right? uh, some of them don't know about the free pardon of sin through Jesus Christ. And we're to look for them and love them to the Savior. Uh, some of these uh, that we're to be seeking are, are guilty of carelessness. And you know what? We're not called to analyze. We're, ca- we're, not, we're not called uh, to, to, to judge about what they should do or shouldn't do or what they should have done or shouldn't have done. We're to, we're to sweep and to sweep until we find them and then love them to the Savior. To again show them the love of God, to show them the grace of God uh, in, in a, that's been uh, made true in our lives. Some of those that we're seeking to reach are willfully rebellious. Some of them know right. Some of them know the word of God, but they willfully disobey God and act, that, act as so that they don't care. But you know what? God says, through this parable, I love them. I still love them. Even those that, even those that we uh, sometimes can watch the news or, or, or maybe an, 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 an enemy of America uh, that we think, man, they just they justly de- deserve this. We need to watch ourselves and understand that, that all souls are just that. They're souls. They all have a soul. Every man, woman, boy, and girl on the top side of this earth uh, are going to spend eternity somewhere. And, and they are the very object of the love of God. God loves all. I believe we read, uh, noted a statement a second ago by Jesus. He said, for God so loved the world. And that world includes every, every person. Uh, red and yellow, black and white. I know that's a little Sunday school song, but it's very good. Very good in, in representing the love of God. They are precious in His sight. He gave His Son to die for the world. All of the world. And we're to love them. Because we know that if, if that rebel repents and gets right, the Father will forgive them, bless them, and restore them. Right? And we'll receive them if they're lost. Or we could say those that we can also make the application of those that have, you might know of some uh, in your mind. Maybe come into our mind right now. Or those that might have used to have said here. That might used to have been in church. Maybe a family member. Maybe a friend. A co-worker who used to serve God. Not saying that they lost their salvation. But they've willfully walked away. We're also called to seek to reach them. To seek to, uh, to, seek to uh, be a friend to them. To try to... Uh, uh, restore them, if you will, uh, into the foe. We should never be guilty of looking down our noses at those who are outside of Christ or even those that are away from Him. Not looking down at them, but having a desire to show them the love of God and the grace of God. When we see someone in sin, be reminded, but by the grace of God, so go I. I'm only standing before you today but because of the grace and goodness of God. Not because I'm such a good old boy. You just talk to my wife for about, old, about a minute or two. You'll understand I'm not a good old boy. 
Right? I'm law. I'm. 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 I'm Without Christ, I'm I'm lost, and I'm 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 uh, in a natural state. I'm uh, a, a sinner, but by the grace of God, I can stand before you forgiven. And therefore, if any man any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away; behold, old things become new. I'm glad that our God sees what we can be rather than what we are. Right? God looks through different eyes than we do, and we should get a glimpse of that. Instead, when we begin to make assumptions based upon people's appearance, uh, uh, we, should, we should seek to look at them through the eyes of God. Not what they are right now, but what they can be through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why, why all the joy? What, what, what's all the joy about? Well, again, it's very easy. Uh, we don't, we're not going to read all of it. I kind of emphasize it as I was going through. <clears throat> but in verse 5, verse 6, verse 7, verse 9, and 10, and 23, and 24, and 32, all have some aspect of joy or rejoicing or being merry. The reason there was so much joy is that in this parable is not so much about the lost things, but it's about the found things, right? It's about the search and then the finding, the restoration, uh, if you will. The, the shepherd rejoiced because he sought. Uh, and he found and restored that one loved sheep. The woman rejoiced because she sought and found and restored, restored that coin. The father rejoiced because the love of that father found that boy. Do you understand that? It was, again, the, the love of God found him. The love of his father found him in that hog pen. Remember, the Bible says he came to himself when he got all the way down to his looking up at a sow's belly. right? And that's how far some of us has to go before we look up. And he recognized, listen, I'm telling you, I'm in a bad spot. How many hired servants do my father has that have bread enough to spare and I perish here with hunger? I'm going to rise. He came to him since he came to his senses, if you will. The love of that father found him in that hog pen. And that's exactly what happened, uh, what happens in the lives of individuals as well. Uh, we can see what brings true joy in this parable. And here's gonna, here's the message. I said all that to say this right here. Seeking who Jesus seeks brings joy. Seeking who Jesus seeks brings joy into our lives as believers. Again, I, I said at the beginning of the message that in the day in which we live, it seems like, again, I'll use my own life. If I'm not careful, I get mad. I watch the news. I get upset. I almost get, I get angry a, a bit. But I get, again, I'm quickly reminded that, listen, these people are lost. They need the gospel. They don't, they don't know Christ. They don't know God. The God that I know, the God of love, the God of grace, the God that seeks and loves and wants to save and restore, if you will, in that sense, uh, and the joy that that brings. He seeks those who are out of fellowship with Him. He seeks the lost. And the reason why many of us as believers don't have true joy is because we don't seek who Jesus seeks. You know, I gave that acrostic. In Sunday school, Jesus of joy, Jesus, others, yourself. That's what brings true joy in our life, knowing Christ and then seeking to seek others, right? To, to introduce them to the Savior, uh, if you will. Uh, <clears throat> again, the reason why there's a lack of joy is because many times we, don't, we have no part in the, in the restoration of those needing restoring, and as a result, it affects our joy. What we need to do is step out of our comfort zone, if you will, and invest our lives in others. Invest our lives in others. Basically, to have joy, we, got, we must get back to having a care for the lost as God does. 
We need to see people as God does. To look at people through the eyes of God. And then, and then you know what? Not just, not, just to, not just get the politician view, all right? I feel your pain. I see the need, right? But let, let that vision then motivate us to action. I believe that's seen throughout the Word of God. I believe Jesus would, would, would uh, emulate that. The Bible says he saw the multitude scattered. What did it do? The Bible says it moved him with compassion. It moved him uh, into action, uh, if you will. Uh, and so, <clears throat> involve ourselves in the business of seeking whom Jesus seeks. Involve yourselves in, in the giving and the going of missions. You know, missions is not just, uh, hopefully over the course of this, these two years, one of the things hopefully that God has maybe utilized us to try to influence people with is this, this very thing, is that missions is not just about money. Now, does it take money to do missions? Sure it does. It, it, it does. But missions, when the preacher says we're going to have a mission emphasis month or we're going to have a missions conference, it sh money should not be the first thing that comes to our mind. It should be people. People. And not just people uh, across the, the seas. Not just foreign people, but people in these homes right outside these doors. Right out. This is a mission field. And you know what? You know, I, years ago, I was... Uh, you begin preaching about the mission field and how, how the mission field, it's, it's personal. It's not just across the sea. It's across the street. But you know, for many of us, the mission field is even closer than that. It's right into our own homes. Right into our homes when we have children in the home. Grandparents, you have, you have grandchildren uh, that you have influence on. So the mission field is not just some generic people that we don't know. It's all the way right down to where we live. And I'm going to tell you, as we involve ourselves in seeking to reach people with the gospel, I'm going to tell you, it's going to have an effect upon our joy. It's going to help the joy, true joy uh, in our life. And maybe it is that uh, there's one in here this morning that Jesus is seeking right now. Again, I, I have no idea. I can't look out. I don't know, I don't know you this morning whether, whether that is one who is lost, never been saved. Or maybe it is that there's one that's wandered away from the fold. Wandered away from the direction, the will of God, the direction of God, willfully rebelled against God as this son did in the parable. Let me assure you that the Father cares. The Father cares. He's standing with open arms to welcome you home this morning. So let me encourage you with this, and I'm done. <clears throat> it will bring joy to God, to the angels, and to other believers this morning if you find yourself here and you're lost and you come. I'm going to tell you, believers, you and I together. If we, if we let our, the circumstances get to us, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rob our joy. It's going to take, take it away. But let, let us be reminded that as we involve ourselves in reaching this community with the gospel, our joy is going to go up. As we, as we invest in others, as we seek to send missionaries around the world to do what? To reach others with the gospel, our joy. It's directly tied. It's directly tied to this matter of missions because, again, it's directly tied to the heart of God. And we learned in Sunday school this morning that joy began with God and ends in God. Without a relationship with Him, without a, an abiding relationship with Him, there is no true joy. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning. Let me ask you this again. How is your, how's your joy? I'm going to tell you, it's directly tied. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. 
To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.